0: Thank you for listening to Fireside Church Messages. Fireside is a community committed to loving God, loving people, and helping others do the same. To join our live stream services every Sunday or to find out how to get more involved in our community, head to firesidechurch.org. Hey, good morning, Fireside, if you're watching with us in the live stream or whenever you're watching, and Merry Christmas. I know we still have about four weeks left, but it is officially Christmas season. Uh, it is Christmas season, at least in the Bauer household. And if you're watching, you- you'll notice that I'm still in my garage. But we're a little festive here, <laughs> as you can see, trying to get creative. And I just want to say I miss you guys. I miss meeting and gathering together. And so I thank you for your patience, and I thank you for all that you're doing behind the scenes, and for still being fireside. And I mean that. And as we go into this weird 2020 Christmas season, um, we are still a church, we're still alive, and we are still celebrating the birth of our Savior. So we have a lot of fun things going on and right after this live stream Sunday at 1130 to 130 uh, we have some great people in our church that have gotten dressed up and I uh, want to give your kids a surprise and we are excited about that and then next Sunday we're doing a drive-in and uh, scavenger hunt the following says so we got things going on and one of the things is our kids are feeling disconnected we haven't done anything for our kids while we've been in quarantine we've done some uh youtube videos that have been embarrassing for myself personally um but other than that we haven't had any gatherings and as a parent and many of you parent uh, uh, other parents have said the same thing that we just want our kids to stay connected so we're going to try to do that but we're also doing some other gatherings as well and we want to put together a nursing home outside caroling event and then on the 23rd we're doing our Christmas under the stars uh, Christmas Eve's Eve because Christmas Eve we're going to do a live stream in your PJs uh, by your fire if you have a fire to watch and so we really want to celebrate as I was thinking about Christmas and this season, and what is God's message for us as a church. And as I was reading the scriptures and Luke and Matthew, Mark, and John, I honed in on Luke especially. And what uh, occurred to me was this theme of waiting. My guess is that all of you, including myself, are waiting for something. You're waiting for something to happen, or something to change, or something to end. We're waiting. And for us, this is very true as we deal with our daughter's cancer battle. And we're waiting, when will this end? COVID-19, when will we be able to meet? Um, When will we be able to go back to school like we used to? When will we be able to see friends and family? And we wait. When will this happen? When will this change occur? When will I be out of this season and into another season? And we're in this constant state of waiting. And as the Lord put this on my heart, because I do believe that the Lord put this on my heart, I was uh, meditating on the scriptures. And I was thinking that God wanted us to talk about waiting. So I took a break and I was listening to my Pandora station because we have one Spotify and Kate's listening to the Spotify in the kitchen. I'm in the bedroom listening to Pandora, which I kind of like because it's like a mix of songs. Um, And the song, As It Is In Heaven by Hillsong came up and the line in the very beginning says, As I'm waiting and as i'm listening to this while i'm waiting as i'm waiting theme i just thought that was confirmation that this is what the lord wants for us advent season is meaning that we are anticipating the coming or the arrival if you are on a if you have the bible app and, and it's a free thing download it And if you haven't been participating in our daily reading, which I know many of you have, which has been awesome, and we're almost done with the New Testament, but we have, there's a free Advent reading that we want to all do together. And the first day is about this theme of waiting. And Tim Mackey, the great theologian of our time, as Connor would say especially, but he's just a smart guy. He narrates this little video and talks about the Hebrew word, out this word waiting and hope are kind of intertwined. And that waiting is 40 times in the Psalms alone. That this is a theme in the Old Testament as well as the New. We are waiting. We are waiting. We are waiting. We are waiting. And we are waiting for the arrival of our Messiah, the Old Testament was. Now we are waiting for Jesus to return. And so I want to spend the next couple weeks on this theme, and I want this message to be a launching point to that. Because we all are waiting for something. So let's pray and let's release whatever it is we are waiting for to ask God to come and to give us strength in the waiting. Lord. Wherever we are, if we're in a car, <laughs> we we just think of you, Lord, if we're in our bedrooms, in our kitchen, if we're in the living room, family, room, whatever it be, Lord, we just submit to you. Lord, as we wait, God, for whatever it is, Lord, give us strength, patience, and perspective. And that these words not be my words, but your words working through me to your people. Amen. Many of you know that Katie and I, we met on a mission trip to Kenya. And we were on our first trip together, first time we met. And then the next year, we were leading together. We were just friends, but she lived in Maryland and I lived in Massachusetts. And that whole trip, we were, you know, smitten over each other. We, we were flirting a ton. And she had to leave like three days early for a friend's wedding. The night that she left, we stayed up all night. We're just talking and talking in the the common area of where we were staying in Kenya. And as we were going to bed, I looked at her. And uh, kids, you you might want to close your ears, but I kissed her. (laughs) And then the next morning, I didn't see her because she left at like 5 a.m. to go to the airport back home. I didn't see her for a good two plus weeks after that. And in the first week, we really didn't have contact with each other because she was back in the States. I was still in Kenya. And I remember going to the Manchester airport to pick her up because she flew in from Maryland to uh, for this event that we were doing. And I'm there waiting for her for her arrival. And I'm waiting with anticipation. I'm waiting with um, expectation. You know, this is the girl that the last time I saw, I kissed and it was just amazing. And then I'm like starting down myself to like, you know, what if, you know, it was just all a bunch of magic from Kenya. And what if there were no feelings there, but what if, you know, she's, you know, over me like I, all these things and you're waiting for anticipation but I remember being so excited to see her and I'll never forget she comes out of the terminal and there she was and at that moment I was just so excited that here she is and, and now we've been married for a uh, lot 12 years <laughs> 12 years and just so exciting and a bit amazing it gets better and better and better and I think that's the anticipation that I hope that we have when it comes to looking back at the arrival of Jesus. The Messiah is here. The Savior is here. And we wait with expectation. But here's the thing. For 400 years before the arrival of Jesus, God was silent. The Old Testament had ended, and for 400 years, No prophet, meaning God didn't speak through men. He was silent. And I think many of you are feeling right now, God is silent. And even though they felt silence, that doesn't mean that religion wasn't active. Because what we do while we wait is we get impatient and we try to do things ourselves. We try to force things. We don't like to wait. So I just want to briefly give you a little bit of context of what happened in that 400 years. Because I think that will help us as we talk about the arrival of our Savior. Where they were at that time. So the Israelites, God's people, were sent in exile. You know, God gave them a country. I think this is so amazing that we had these slaves in Egypt, the Jews, that were released. And not were, were they just released, but God said, no, I'm not just going to give you property. I'm going to give you a country. I'm going to have you conquer, you know, big cities, more powerful than you are, but not more powerful from me, the Lord. And I'm going to give you deliverance. You know, there'd be one thing to say, thank you. F- for not letting us be a slave. We just don't want to be a slave, but I want to have bigger things for you. And I think the same is for you. So if you're feeling like you're enslaved right now, my prayer for you is that it's not just freedom from what's slaving you, but it is bigger than that. It's not just property, but it's a country, if you know what I mean. And so they get this country, Israel, this nation, former slaves, now they have a country. And they said, as long as I'm your king, I will protect you, and I will deliver you. And that doesn't mean that they didn't battle, because battles came in and out. But God did what he said. And after time, they forgot. And God sent prophets, warning them, repent, turn to the Lord. But they looked at the world, and they said, I want what they want. And so... They got sent into exile. The Babylonians came. And their tactic was to take, extract all the men and women, especially those who were strong, and extract them and misplace them. They brought them back to Babylon because they didn't want them to regroup and to revolt. And there you have some stories of, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You have have all the Jeremiah. And then the Persians came. And they conquered the Babylons. And they had a different approach. They said, no, go back to where you came from. And not only that, we're going to help you rebuild the temple. And their thinking was this. If your God succeeds and you're under our rule, then we're going to succeed. Not that they believed in one God, the Lord. They believed in many gods. And so it's kind of like the more the merrier. The more gods that are for us, the better we're going to be. And so they were sent out of exile back, but under Persian rule. And then came the Greeks, Alexander the Great, conquering most of the Middle East, all the way to Asia and Northern Africa. And their tactic was, we want to turn you into a Greek. This was what is referred to Hellenistic views. They wanted Greeks, they wanted the people they conquered to be Greeks, so they used their currency, and they wanted them to serve their gods. And that's how they operated. And that's why many Jews forgot how to speak Hebrew and started speaking Greek. The New Testament was written in Greek. The Old Testament, Torah, which was in Hebrew, was starting to be non-understandable because they couldn't understand Hebrew as generations came up. So they converted it and they translated it to the Greek, which was called the Septuagint, which many of the apostles and disciples and even Jesus would refer to. But they had their breaking point. And this was the Maccabean Revolt in about 167 BC. That A guy named Matthias was one of the priests and they were ordered to give a sacrifice to a false god and he wanted nothing to do with it. So he ended up killing the priests that would do it. And him and his sons fled into the wilderness. And a year later, he died and his son, Judah, Maccabee, took over. And a three-year battle with the Greeks ensued. And they won. And for about a hundred years, Israel was their own country. But they were a mess because inside what was going on with Israel, they had internal fighting. You know, there was a part of them that wanted David's line to be the king. Others wanted Aaron's line, the priest, to be priests. And they started bickering and all that. And while they were doing that, the Romans came and easily took them over And they were now, again, under foreign rule, the Romans. And the Romans' tactic was, I don't care what you do, who you worship, just pay your taxes. And that's all they really cared about. And we'll protect you, we'll regard you, whatever, whatever. just pay your taxes. And yet they did view Jews less than Roman citizens, but they gave them freedom. And during that time, even though God was silent, religion was active because they had, you know, the heart to revolt, and all these sects of Judaism came out. You had the Sadducees, and the Sadducees were the priests; they were the elite. They really loved the customs and the traditions of the temple, and they took Torah seriously, but they didn't really take the heart behind it seriously. It was more about status. And going through the motions. You may be looking at today's religion and say, I know people like that. And then you had the Pharisees. And then the Pharisees, you know, they also believed in the Torah and in the old law. But they also believed in the heart behind it. And they believed in what some oral traditions were given to Moses. Like what afterlife was. They believed in that. And so they were expecting the Messiah. They were kind of thinking, how can we love and how can we serve God better? And actually, Pharisees, many of them became Christians, but yet were still called Pharisees. You can see that in Acts, that among the apostles were Pharisees who were followers of the way, of Christians. And then you had another group called the Essenes, and they were nomadic, and they, and they actually lived in, in s- s- separate from the rest of the world, in the desert. The Qumran, where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. They feel like this is one of their groups. They lived in a a monastic life in the desert. They had dietary laws. Many were celibate. They kind of like, hey, we just want to cut off from the world and just be with God and learn. Kind of like today's maybe modern day monks, possibly. And so here's what's going on. And You look at today's world with all the different denominations. It's not that different. But there's a, a, a little difference of a view or opinion, and all of a sudden you have this whole separate denomination. I know one town in New Hampshire that has four Baptist churches, and the town only has 1,200. First, second, third, and fourth, because they are all Jesus-loving churches, but they just disagreed with something, one of the minor issues. And, and they're just trying to make sense of it and So religion was active. And so here's what I want you guys to do as we look at, you know, the coming of Jesus. Is that it's not about religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we are celebrating Jesus coming into the world. And that is to be celebrated. And that is to be unified with all who believe in Jesus as the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. And so, Paul says this in Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. All of that, and before that, the Old Testament, it was all one big setup for Jesus, God's son. It wasn't reactionary. To what was going on in the world. I've had it. I'm breaking my silence. I'm sending Jesus. He's going in. It was a setup. And it was the perfect time. And they thought. That he was going to be the conquering king. Like the Maccabees. Well we just did it 63 years ago. Now we can do it again. And he completely changed expectations because his kingdom is not of this world. It's not about geography, it's about relationship with him. And it came at the perfect time. And as they were waiting, I think many of them were probably disappointed. Well, this isn't the Messiah that we were expecting. And at first, they were disappointed. But the reality is, it was beyond their comprehension. And I think while we wait for whatever you're waiting for, we think he's not acting because I don't think he can do it, or because the timing isn't right. No, he is able, he's waiting purposely for the perfect time to fully come, whatever is going on. In I've been reading a lot in Luke 8, when Jairus' daughter is sick, and and he goes to Jesus, and Jesus had just returned to this area near Capernaum, and he's thinking, well, Jesus can heal my daughter, And and he runs to him, and there's a crowd waiting for them, they just come across the lake, and he said, Jesus, my daughter is dying, come, place your hands, and Jesus says, yes. And as they were going, this lady comes and touches his cloak. And he stops and says, powers come from me. And this lady had been bleeding for 12 years and it was healed. And she said, well, everyone's touching. Jesus. There's a crowd. And there's this moment where... Things are happening, and and, and I think it took a lot longer than what we read in the text, because while that commotion is happening, someone comes up to Jairus and says, Jairus, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's dead. And and imagine the defeat that Jairus must have had, thinking, it's too late. It's too late. And Jesus hears this, and he says, Jairus, Do not be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. And that's exactly what happened. He goes there, places his hands on her, and she lives. But that moment of waiting felt like disappointment. I think some of us are feeling like we're being disappointed. In reality, we're just waiting. For what? Because we view waiting as a negative. Our whole culture believes waiting as a negative. We're doing everything we can do not to wait. You go on your Amazon app, I do this all the time. If it comes two days, I don't want it. I want next day delivery. And and I'll pay $5 more for it because I want it now. I don't want to wait. You go to uh, Disney World and and you can get a fast pass, because. No more lines. I just want to go to the front of the line. You give me time. I just don't want to wait. We will avoid traffic. You go in your phone, right? And you see the red line. When you see that, it's like the line of death. If you're thinking, no, 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 I'm not waiting in that, and we'll like reroute the back roads. Even though it may take longer, it feels better because we're moving because we just will do anything to avoid waiting. I remember when I was. In middle school, my, my best friend came over to my house and said, and you got to listen to this new handsome song. You know the handsome brothers? <laughs> yeah, I'm dating myself a little bit. It's called Mbop. And I'm like, Mbop, you, you know, I'm this eighth grade kid. He's like, oh, dude, this song rocks, man. It's like the best. I'm like, really? And so what we did is we went into the driveway and turned on the car radio. And we sat there. And we listened to song after song until we heard Mbop. Because we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have the internet. Now you want to know a song, you can just type it in, and boom, you have a song. And I remember when it came on, he said, this is it, this is it, completely science. And it was like three and a half minutes of pure bliss as we listened to Mbop. I'm like, dude, that is so awesome. And he's like, should we get the cassette? Yeah, we should get the cassette. You know, my mom's going to the mall in two weeks. Awesome. And we wait again. There were times when you had a question. No, uh, where do robins go in the winter? And if the person you're with doesn't know, that question is just there. (laughs) You have no answer. You can only find it until you run into some other bird person or if you go home and you open up an encyclopedia, which was a physical book. And we are okay with that. We waited. You missed an episode of your favorite show. You had to wait for reruns that would take years. And the whole time you're listening to all these inside jokes that you have no part of because you had a basketball game and you weren't able to watch the latest Seinfeld. And you waited. And now we do everything we can to avoid waiting. But there's something about waiting. Waiting does something. I want to read you some verses because who you become while you are waiting is as important as what you're waiting for. There's a quote from Nikki Gumbel from Louis Giglio's Advent devotional book. Who you become while you are waiting is as important as what you're waiting There's transformation happening in the waiting process that God doesn't want you to miss. Like a kid, if you were to get everything that you wanted at that time, think about the person you'd become. Waiting gives you strength. You go to the gym once, (laughs) you come back, you're sore, but you don't look different, you're not stronger. You have to wait for results, and you have to continue to do it. Isaiah says this, the prophet, in chapter 40, verse 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not be faint many of you guys wish you could mount up like eagles many of you wish you could run and not be weary you know you you run a mile and you are exhausted and you wish i could just keep running and the way to get that strength is by waiting because sometimes waiting can be an option don't jump the gun we talked about this The other day with walking through the waters, you know, shortcuts cut short of what God is trying to reveal to you. God wants you to wait because he wants to strengthen your faith. Because he wants you to soar like eagles and he wants you to run and not get weary. If we wait, we will see goodness. Number two. And we we see this in Psalm 27, one of my favorite psalms. Psalm 27 verses 13 through 14. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. If you wait, you will see goodness in the land of the living. Many watching will say, No, I know I'll see goodness in the land in the afterlife when I'm in heaven. But right now we're waiting for the goodness of the Lord land. We're waiting for the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living right now. And we want it now, but God's saying, maybe just wait. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 25 says, The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. The Lord is good. When we wait. Number three, when we wait, we are blessed. This word bless actually means happiness. I know this is a touchy word because if you're a Christian we're not called to be happy, right? We're called to be blessed. But the words kind of can be interchanged, right? So you could almost say happiness can come from waiting. But we'll say blessed because I think it's a deeper word because that is of the Lord is when the Lord gives us things that blesses our life. And Isaiah says this in 30 verse 18, therefore the Lord Waits to be gracious to you. So God is waiting to give you things, to be gracious to you. And therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. So God's waiting for his timing in your life to be gracious to you. And he knows, he knows. And he says, If you wait, you'll be blessed. Psalm 130, verse 5 says this, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And I put my hope in him. I'm anticipating him to move. Lord, strengthen me while I wait. But oftentimes we think as we wait, God has forgotten us. And and I want you to be assured that while we wait, we're not waiting alone. A famous verse in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, when Moses says this from the Lord, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. Then he says, He will not leave you nor forsake you. This is the first verse my daughters ever memorized. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, for the Lord goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. I remember looking at this just recently thinking, I don't get it. <laughs> and, and here's what I mean. It's almost he's saying the same thing. He won't leave you and he won't forsake you. And If you look at the word forsaken, it's meaning he doesn't leave you. So he doesn't leave you, he doesn't leave you. Like, well, I get it. He doesn't leave you. But I want more than that. So when he says he'll not leave you, actually, it is really translated as this. He will not fail you. Nor forsake you. He will not fail you and he will not leave you. Which means this. That while we're waiting, he's with you. And it's never too late because he's not going to fail you. And that's a promise. That you can hold tight. He will not fail you and he will not leave you. Paul says this in Romans 8 verse 26. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. This hope, this waiting word, hope. If it's seen, then it's not really hope. Hoping is believing. Who hopes for what they've already had? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. We have the Spirit as we wait for God to do the things in our life that we're waiting for him to do, not because he can't, but because he's waiting to reveal and to show us things in his timing. We wait, and they were waiting for the Messiah. And here's my last thing that I want you to go home with is it's while you're waiting, God's working that he continues to work. While Jarius was with waiting for God to come, Jesus to come to his uh, aid to his daughter, he was working. But he was like, well, he was working on someone else. No, no, he's working in your life too. He's working. And you're waiting to, for God to reveal himself to you, but he's doing it while you wait. God, I'm just waiting for you to show up And he's saying, I am showing up. Look around you. And I may not be doing the thing that you don't want me to do. That doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. That it means that I'm doing something else in you that I want you to be aware of. And so as we look at what he said in Galatians 4.4, but when the time had fully come, God sent his time. God's timing is perfect. I am telling you, I have been disappointed in many times of many scans and many doctor's calls and thinking God has failed us. And I'm trying to switch my narrative saying, no, 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 God's just saying, I, 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 wait. Just wait. Wait. Wait for what I'm going to do. Wait for what I am doing. Wait. And instead of just, you know, starting, getting to the next thing and going to the next thing and just Why don't we just say, God, what are you doing right now? What are you doing in me and what are you doing through me? I will wait for the Lord. So be strong and courageous. Do not fear. For the Lord God goes with you. He will never fail you, nor will he leave you. And we wait. In the next couple of weeks, I'm very excited. We're going to bring up some Christmas characters. We're going to talk about how they waited. Waited to speak. Waited to hear. And and I just am so excited about this because I feel like it was from the Lord. So let me pray for us. As many of us are waiting, Lord, as we wait, God, strengthen us. Bless us. Be good to us. Because Jesus, you, your timing is perfect. So help us align our expectations with yours. And Lord, give us strength and patience as we. We wait. Thank you for your son. Thank you for this season. Lord, we celebrate the arrival of the king. Amen. See you next week.